This week, the pursuit of creativity brought me to actor and content creator Claire Manship. In addition to being the mind behind all of Car Fox's social media accounts, Claire has been acting in New York City for many years now. In part one of our two-part series with Claire, we'll be talking all things acting, what it's like acting in New York City, how the pandemic affected the theater industry, and how ultimately singing out of her window helped her launch her content creation career. My name is Ike Ajwan, and welcome to the Pursuit of Creativity podcast. Claire, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ike. Absolutely. So there's a lot of things, I, a lot of questions I have. You have a very amazing and interesting backstory to your um, professional career. Um, but before we jump into that, could you just give us kind of a breakdown of like who you are, your full name, where you live, and then what you currently do? Okay. Um, my name is Claire Manship. I'm 31 years old. I, I feel like it's like a dating profile. Uh, I live... <laughs> Um, I live in Harlem, New York. So I've been in uh, New York City since 2011. Um, and I am currently the social media content manager at Carfax. Uh, so I run the TikTok, the Instagram and the YouTube shorts over there. And um, I am still a working actor. So on occasion, I audition uh, for Broadway shows and sing and dance. <laughs> Sing and dance. I love that. Okay, so those are all really creative things. And I want to kind of break up this interview, this conversation into two halves, two-ish halves, starting with your acting career. Because I think that okay. is something like, I don't really, you're one of the first actors I knew and became friends with um, <laughs> as an adult. And that's really cool to me. So if you could kind of walk us through like how you got started with acting, where you went to school for acting, and then like more so what you did with acting or what you're doing with acting in New York now. Sure. Well, first off, I'm amazed that I'm one of the first actors you knew because you've been in New York a minute. I feel like they're crawling all <laughs> <Yeah>. over. <laughs> I, mean, I guess um, I keep missing them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I said that like we were the infected in The Last of Us. Like we're crawling <laughs> all over. But really we are. It's funny. Um, yeah. So my first theatrical experience, um, I, I grew up taking ballet and eventually like in high school voice lessons and stuff. My first musical was You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown in the seventh grade. I played Marcy, which that role does not exist, but they give a role to every kid that auditions. So, um, <laughs> I got to be, uh, Marcy and, um, one of my classmates was Peppermint Patty. So we had like our own interstitial like scenes that they produced from the comic strip that didn't exist. Um, which <laughs> if you are uh, in the copyright field, no, we didn't. And <laughs> um, yeah, I, I grew up uh, doing theater in school and like show choir, kind of anything singy and dancey that I could get my hands on. My brother, who was three years older than me, Kevin, who is still a musician um, and also very artistic, he, when I was in middle school, he was dating a stage manager at the high school level. And so I used to go on Saturdays to paint sets with them. Like I was like a little oh, so like, 12 year old hired hand. Yeah, yeah. I used to like paint sets and, um, you know, hang out and watch rehearsal and just thought it was like very, I don't know, aspirational to one, be a high schooler and two, to, I don't know, act for a living. I thought that was very cool. Um, 
there's a joke in our business that we get paid to play pretend and it's very, Mm. it's very real. Right. And it, I think it helps me stay connected to a sense of childhood. Like when I'm really having a good, you know, rehearsal, I still think about those days, like visiting my brother in the high school auditorium, you know, for, for his rehearsals for Fiddler on the Roof or whatever. Um, and then when it came time to audition for colleges, uh, I auditioned for kind of a lot of the top programs um, for music theater uh, mm-hmm. and ended up not getting in the places that I thought I would. My brother went to Elon and was a music theater major there. And I think in my like egotistical 17 year old mind, I was like, well, I'm a legacy. Like, here I go. <laughs> um, and I didn't get in. And I ended up going to a different school for one semester. I re-auditioned for Elon. I really wanted to go. Because I also, I got into some other conservatories that were like $60,000 a year. And my parents were like, LOL, no. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Honestly, I mean, school is expensive. But theater school is so expensive. Like, it really is cost prohibitive to many talented people. Mm. It's like part of the reason why we're trying to this is a completely different conversation, but like destructure some of like the white patriarchy of theater because it's just inaccessible mm-hmm. to the average person, um, just yeah. monetarily. And also, if you don't go to certain high schools or boarding schools, you don't get certain auditions, you don't go to these schools. It's insane. It's stupid. Um, but at the time, it felt very important. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. So I re-auditioned for Elon. I didn't get in again. But I was accepted academically, and I felt that I wasn't really being challenged at, at the school I was at before um, in my classes, not necessarily in, in the theater program. Mm-hmm. So I decided to transfer without a major declared uh, to Elon. And then on my second day of classes, I auditioned for the acting program, and they accepted me in the room, which was Man, bananas. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, come on. Um, so that was really, and and then I really needed to eat a lot of humble pie. Like I, I really thought, can we curse on the show? Sure. I really thought I was the shit. Like, <laughs> like I, I really already being knocked down a couple of pegs by not getting into the music theater program when I was predominantly a singer, um, mm-hmm. was not enough to like really get me right sized. Um, and so I really, I, I, obviously learned a lot in acting school um and a lot of skills that I still take with me stage combat and dialects and sound design and all sorts of cool stuff but really I just I needed to like humble myself because New York will eat you alive if you think you're good at all (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah so Elon has a like a winter term instead of a May master so I spent I sent I spent um winter term um my senior year i like had been up to new york and studied in the summer at a conservatory but my first like big move was during senior sabbatical um and i started auditioning for shows and had a musical booked before i even graduated wow Um, yeah that was crazy but let me here's the joke right this is like non-union theater stuff i worked 13 Mm -hmm. weeks for a six hundred dollar stipend at a Tony winning theater. Weeks. 
Wow. <laughs> At a Tony winning theater. Like, I don't know. I'm not the biggest mathematician, but I feel like that doesn't really quite add up. <laughs> the math ain't mathing on that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, I, hopefully that wasn't too long winded, but that was really, that's really how I got, uh, at least to New York. No, that's, that's such a good, uh, I think base for like further conversations about this, uh, acting realm, because I think, I mean, for me, I don't know a ton. I've learned a lot from you over the last year or so, but I'd love <laughs> to hear more about like what it's like finding jobs in New York. Cause you know, I think everyone probably has a friend or someone from their hometown that's like, I'm going to New York and I'm going to make it. You're right. Like, there's <laughs> always that story. Right. So like for someone that that's done that, like, what is it like auditioning and, and, and finding work in this realm? It's so funny that people go to L.A. or New York and are like, I'm going to be a star. And then the next year they're on the CW and you're like, wow, you are so attractive. That is how that <laughs> happened. Like, ah, yes. It, it's not for a lack of talent. It's for a like, like, what is it? Like an embarrassment of riches in the beauty department <laughs> mm. um, for a lot of people. And I think that's why a lot of people can make the jump from modeling and stuff when they when they're like, I'm going to be a star. Um, but to move from the educational space, particularly in theater, is a lot of open calls. Um they used to call them cattle calls. I guess they're still called cattle calls, oh. but we are not cows. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not, not my favorite term. <laughs> oh, yeah. I really don't like it. But yeah, so for years, I would get up every morning at 5 a.m. I would shower and do my hair as much as I could and take, you know, sometimes I did like half a beat of makeup. Sometimes I went naked face downtown. I'd go downtown, I would stand in the cold for hours. Um, I would wait to audition. When I was non-union, it was so much harder. I wasn't seen mm. one time, except wow. on like a blizzard day. I, the first Broadway show I was ever seen for in New York was Mamma Mia. And the only reason they saw me was because the union members know their worth about safety and didn't go They're out in psyched. the blizzard, but I did. <laughs> They're like, We're, it's not going to happen for us, but oh, but but Claire's here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there were a lot of mornings like that um, waiting around. And I remember uh, another show that eventually went to Broadway um, was called Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. And I went to an open call audition. I happened to get seen. This was after I was in the union and kind of had a little mm -hmm. bit more priority signing up for stuff. Yeah. And the the people in the room, the auditors, uh, asked me if I could come back in the afternoon for a callback to dance. And I had to go to my nannying job in the afternoon. I'm sure it's not any surprise to you or the audience that every actor has another job or five. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> mine was nannying. And... Um, I was like, I'm sorry. Like I worked for, at the time I worked for a mom who was so mean to me. And I was mm. like, I cannot lose my job right now. Um, it, it's such a weird dichotomy for these side hustles where you're like, I really need this job. I cannot care enough about it for me not to be able to go do a, a show. Um, right. And so you're always kind of being pulled in two different directions. 
And I said to casting, I was like, I'm sorry, like, I have to go to work this afternoon. They're like, oh, that's unfortunate. Okay. And then I felt like I wasted both of our time. Like, it was crazy. I get down into the subway and my friend Ashley, who auditioned in the same group as me, mm-hmm. was like, hey, Claire, how'd it go? And I was like, oh, it was good. I got a call back, but I got to go pick up these kids for nannying. And she shook me by the shoulders and she said, we did not come here to be nannies. <laughs> and lo and behold, I got, I, I took, I got the gumption to call and call out of work. And the mom was so mean to me. <laughs> she was really angry. Yeah. And um, in the end, Ashley booked the show. She went to Broadway with the great comedy oh, of 1812. Wow. And so I think about that. Oh, I was like, wow, like. She was a couple years older than me. She's a little more successful than me at the time. And I was like, oh my God, like that, that is going to be my like beacon of light for auditioning now. Like every time Mm -hmm. I get up early, I'm going to remember we did not come here to be nannies. (laughs) That's a great slogan. We did not come here to be nannies. (laughs) Yeah. Is that the name of app? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Hey, well, maybe that's, that's pretty good. But yeah, so the auditioning was was brutal, but there were a couple of like key kind of like cornerstone moments like that one with Ashley where it really puts the auditioning in perspective. I'm now at a place in my career where I really only audition for like television projects for mm-hmm. Broadway shows. Um, you know, that was a number of years, I guess almost 10 years ago now um, that that happened. Yeah. But now I'm, I kind of have the the luxury of waiting for my agent to send me stuff. I don't have to, what we say, Mm -hmm. like pound the pavement as much. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Before we move on, could you just quickly give us a rundown of the difference between union and non-union for those who might not know in the audience or the audience? (laughs) There's no one here listening to the show. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's an audience. I bet you have thousands of listeners by now. Um, That's exactly right. (laughs) That is exactly right. I'm manifesting it. Um, Yeah, so there's a couple of different performance unions. We call them the four A's, like alpha. Mm -hmm. So I'm an Actors' Equity Association, which is the union that represents uh, stage actors and stage managers. Um, And the other four A's are, I'm sure you've heard of them, SAG-AFTRA, which Mm -hmm. is the Screen Actors Guild American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. Um, AGVA, the American Guild of Variety Artists, which is like um, the Rockettes are AGVA. Um, And like some circuses are AGVA. Um, And AGMA, the American Guild of uh, Musical Artists, is like the opera, like the Met operates under AGMA. Yeah. So... When you're in the union, you have the opportunity, at least in in SAG and equity, we have the opportunity to uh, earn work weeks for our benefits. And essentially, if you've ever uh. seen Newsies, you know that if we are non-union, we have no protections at work. If we get injured, there's no workers' comp, there's no insurance, um, there's no breaks, right? Like, right. It's, it's basically born out of the, like industrial revolution and it's still kicking today um and many people will tell you myself included that the current state of 
union theater is in flux post pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's right. still a pandemic, but post reopening. Yeah. Um, because we needed a lot of restructuring to feel safe on the job from the pandemic. But if there's no theater work afoot and happening to implement those practices and test them, then you just have to kind of implement new practices and, mm-hmm. and jump right in. And it was, it has been very stressful. Um, just a lot of restructuring, a lot of change, a lot of confusion over how to go back to auditions, how to go back to viewing theater, to rehearsing. You know, we sing in people's faces. We kiss right. each other on stage. Like, it's just, there's no, um, there's no protection from COVID. And so that's kind of like the chief union concern right now that non-union companies just don't have to worry about. It's just, you work at mm. your own risk, truly. Yeah. Wow. That is, well, thank you for that breakdown. That's actually super helpful and hopefully provide some good context to folks that are listening. But, um, wow. Yeah. That's, it's intense out there. I would imagine. (laughs) Is it, I'm guessing like (laughs) suggested to join a union or like, do people actively not join unions? It's a little bit of both. It depends. I mean, in the theater, it used to be that you couldn't do union jobs without being a union member, but you couldn't join the union without earning union work weeks. So it was kind of this like vicious Mm. cycle that has recently changed where, um, different kind of verification for joining is, is now available where we used to have these crazy, um, joining requirements where we had to kind of jump all of these hurdles. There was a Mm. candidacy program. You had to earn weeks in internships and apprenticeships. That's how the $600 for 13 weeks of work happened. Uh, Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. But now you can, at least with equity, um, you can verify that you worked, that you have been paid in a professional setting for a performing arts job. Um, and you can join, you're eligible, you, but you still owe the initiation fees, the dues, et cetera. So for some people, they choose not to join the union because it's expensive. I mean, mm, SAG yeah. is expensive. Like I think equity is expensive. SAG is bananas. Like to stay active on your SAG after membership, because they used to be two separate unions that merged oh, and now okay. they have double the dues. <laughs> Okay. And yeah, All right. <laughs> it's, it's expensive. Um, and that probably is the main reason that people don't join. It's cost prohibitive. Mm-hmm. Um, or they have a relationship with a theater or they live in a region where there aren't many unionized houses. And it's actually mm-hmm. job prohibitive to them to join the union because then they don't have anywhere to work. Wow. And yeah, that, particularly for artists, they, you know, they want to make art, you know? <laughs> yeah. They so, don't want to worry about all this other stuff, but yeah, they kind of have to, right? Which is, that's, which is tough. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. Let's shift gears just a little bit and talk okay. about bliss and how <laughs> that also and the pandemic led to content creation. If you could just tell us about that story um, which I've heard before, and it's a great, it is, I, I'm excited for people to hear about this situation. <laughs> situation is the right word. <laughs> <laughs> the pandemic has put many new musicals and in plays into a situation, that is for sure. Um, 
so basically before Ike and I met, I was uh, working after full time on a musical that was doing a pre-Broadway run. I put that, you can't see, but I put that in quotation marks because we often test shows out of town to make sure that they are viable to transfer to Broadway. And we test them in different cities that have very savvy audiences. One of the most kind of savvy and like music, new musical forward viewing audiences is in Seattle. And that's where we went to test the show. Other audiences like Frozen was tested in Denver. Beetlejuice was Mm -hmm. tested in Washington, D.C. Moulin Rouge was, I think, tested in Boston. Um, So those are, you know, they're creative and artistic hubs with audiences that are very similar to New York. They have a tourist, you know, it's like 50% of the audience is from out of town and 50% are like curmudgeonly locals that have very (laughs) strong arts opinions. Um, And Seattle was so cool. So I... To rewind, I auditioned for Bliss, um, which is a new musical. It it reimagines the concept of who can be a princess. So it is a body positive, racially uh, integrated and diversified and, you know, feminist intelligence forward retelling of a princess story as opposed Mm. to the perfect Disney princess you may know. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, the story is a brand new musical, which is pretty rare these days. Oftentimes they are adapted from something else. They are jukebox musicals from, you know, a, a popular band or singer. Um, they're bio musicals or bio plays where they have a, um, you know, a biographical spin based on that music or story. And so this show being from scratch, new music, story that never existed, team that had never worked together, you know, in this for this particular production, decided to take the show to Seattle. I auditioned for it a couple years prior. And again, my ego, I was like certain I got it. Like they gave me a hug before I left the room. I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm amazing. (laughs) (laughs) so when i didn't book the development lab for the show where they basically test the music and you know get it in front of producers for the first time i was pleasantly surprised when they asked me to cover the role i auditioned for in the pre-broadway run in seattle so that's how i ended up going out there i was covering um katie garrity who is an incredible actor. She's currently on tour as Little Red and Into the Woods. So go see her mm. in your town. Um, but Katie's so wonderful. And I learned a lot shadowing that track and, and standing by for her. And I never went on. Um, mostly because she's a powerhouse and like probably could have, you know, broken her leg and still given the best performance you've ever seen. Um, <laughs> not that the union would encourage that, but... <laughs> uh, But yeah, it was just, it was like a huge uh, opportunity and kind of learning experience for me being basically the only person in the company that had no ties to Broadway prior Mm. Um, with, I don't know, maybe one or two exceptions that might be too exaggerative, but uh, yeah, so we were out there and when we arrived, COVID had just 
broken out in Seattle. And mm. Seattle was the first American that was city one of the that first had ones. Yeah, confirmed yeah. cases. So they kind of t- told us, you know, like keep to yourself, you know, like kind of stay with the group, stay at the theater, you know, try not to go to any clubs or anything where you, you know, like it, it wasn't, it was kind of, it felt like a rumor, you know what I mean? Where it's mm, kind of just yeah. petering, petering about. Um, that's not the right word, but you know what I mean. And a couple of people got sick while we were there with kind of like mystery illnesses, but the rest of us were fine, which makes yeah. me think it probably wasn't COVID and it was just Pacific Northwest winter. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, which the PNW is unreal. I mean, it is like, oh, it's, it's, it's like New there. Zealand up there. Oh, it's incredible. It's I wild. <laughs> the best time. I just loved it. Um, And so we came back to New York. Our show closed like the third week of February and we came back to New York Mm. and I went back to my nannying job with a, with a family that was very nice to me. I loved them. Um, and the kids were about to go on spring break. And that was when the city started telling us like, stop touching stuff. Don't go anywhere. (laughs) It was like February 10th. I I, March 10th. I want to say, and the kids were like getting ready to go on spring break. And I remember, feeling like something was ominous and it was very spooky in new york around that time everyone was a little on edge and you're all looking at one another like do you have it do i have it (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) um and i remember the kind of last like actory thing i did i went to an audition in midtown on i want to say march 11th uh, and there's a Starbucks, I don't know if it's still there, but there was a Starbucks at 39th and 8th Avenue. And that was kind of, it had like upstairs seating. So I used to like hang mm-hmm. out there between auditions. Cause I could kind of like be up off the street and normally it's packed. It's like hard to get a seat there. And I went, <laughs> I went up there and it is empty. It was so spooky. Oh yeah. And you can, yeah. there's like these these railings that you can look down from the upstairs seating onto eighth Avenue. And I could tell Mm. something was wrong. And we started hearing about Broadway cancellations that night. Um, so basically the goal was to move bliss into a Broadway theater within a year or so after the Seattle run. But a year later we were still shut down. Broadway went to reopen a couple of different times um and it kept getting pushed and then shows would open but the entire cast would get sick the audience would be sick there were super spreader reopening nights and it just the the show as much as we love it uh just i don't know couldn't go on that sounds so kind of cliche but I actually don't think really my, my point of view has changed about the show must go on. I really don't Mm. think it should (laughs) in some, in some cases it's really not worth it. So, uh, most recently bliss, uh, I guess it was like the beginning of 2022, maybe 2021, they reworkshopped. And because I'm a standby, I'm not in the main cast. I wasn't needed. But they did ask me to join the cast uh, album recording last summer, which was very cool. Um, We recorded at Berkeley in Midtown, and there's just like a lot of 
history uh, at Power Station, um, that recording studio at, at Berkeley, New York. And it just really was like, I don't know, it was just so nice to get back to those people, to that team, to the music. And I feel like I could go on and on. I have gone on and on. I apologize. I just, no. <laughs> that's kind of the state of bliss right now. And we're waiting to find out what the next step might be. Um, I have heard through the grapevine that that there are still plans to, to move it to Broadway. Mm. But much of our cast has moved on to other projects or left New right. York. Um, a lot of them are attached to other shows, other shows that have funding and a theater on Broadway. So I, I really don't know. Um, but I'm hopeful. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Hopeful. Yeah, no, that's good. And, and congrats on the album. I saw all those posts over the summer, which is super duper cool. Um, and very exciting that you got to be a part of that. So shout Thank out to you, you for that for sure. That was so fun. I never, I hadn't been in the studio in like years and I definitely never done a recording at that scale. It was really, really cool. Yeah. That's so cool that they were able to put that all together and, and have you in there and stuff. That's uh, like, I remember saying, I was like, wow, this is like, this is really cool. It's cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, you know, what was so gratifying was I was able to put a cast album on my resume for the first time, which was mm. like, Oh my God. Like those, yeah, those are big dreams. Like during the shutdown, I had, and I guess this kind of like ties to the second half of your question was that to stay creative, you know, I was making TikToks and I always thought that I would read my name for the first time in the theater section of the New York times and to read it Mm. in the style section about the TikToks I was making. Like it was just, it's, it's so funny how the theatrical shutdown, like, opened so many creative you know what do they say like a a door shuts and a window opens yeah a window opens yeah 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 no that's that that is a wonderful segue because that is exactly what i'd love to talk about is you and windows and and social media so (laughs) for those who have no idea what i'm referring to um claire has many viral videos amongst other viral videos of her singing out the window during the pandemic, you know, which was great for the people, great for, I think everyone, everyone benefited from that. So could you just talk us through a little bit of what was going on there? Like all all the details. (laughs) What was going on there? (laughs) Um, well, I wanted to be a star. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, I first sang at the window. So I had heard that there was uh, like a campaign to get New Yorkers to sing the same song that was going to be played on like five different radio stations at the same oh, time cool. after the um, the the round of applause at 7 p.m. for for right. essential workers mm-hmm. for like the the first responders. What did we call that? The the I citywide flag. Yeah, yeah. 7 p.m. I remember we did that for a while. (laughs) Right, right. Um, And so I I had been alone at that point for a couple of weeks. Um, My one roommate left and decided that she didn't owe us rent anymore and was just like, deuces. (laughs) Lame. (laughs) Lame, yeah. And another roommate had gone downtown to be with her partner. 
So I was alone for a while. And then eventually that second roommate left New York. So then I was like alone, alone for like 15, 16 weeks. So this was like the very beginning of the true alone times. Yeah. (laughs) I think of them as the alone times. Um, and excuse me, I heard that they were going to do this like sing along after the citywide clap. And I was like, Oh, I'd totally be down for that. And I have a boom box. I'll play it out the window. And the song they had chosen was New York, New York by Frank Sinatra. Great song. Makes sense. (laughs) Great song. And so I turned on the radio after the clap. It was like seven Oh five. They started playing it. Da, 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 da. And everyone started closing their windows. And I was like, did you guys not hear about this incredible <laughs> initiative? Like, I was, and I was so looking forward to, cause I had been like so freaking lonely. And so I decided to, you know, kind of sing along, just do my own thing. And, at, and I was still kind of like peeking my head out of the window. Like maybe there's someone there, like maybe mm-hmm. someone else is doing it. And I started noticing that it was like, my window in my bedroom faced out onto uh, the back of the building. So it's not mm-hmm. really an alley, but it's like the passageway between the two sides of the block. So you can't like yep. walk the entire length of it, but, but it's essentially an alley. Um, and I was noticing it was like echoing, you know, because normally mm. there's like vines and plants back there, but it's like the dead of winter in New York. Right. And yeah, I started, I started like singing a little bit louder and I was like, Oh my God, this is incredible. It's like an echo chamber. And then I decided the song was over. I turned off the boom box and I was like, Oh, that was fun. I was like, you know what? I'm going to sing like a crazy person, <laughs> <laughs> like an absolute, uh, I, I must have lost my mind for a moment because what New Yorker, who doesn't have a death wish <laughs> leans out the window to sing at the top of their lungs. I'm so grateful. My neighbors were cool about this because you never know, like on a different yeah. block in the same neighborhood, it could be completely different. Like who knows? Totally. Yeah. I, w- I mean, and some people, <laughs> some people really would like hate that. I'm sure, you know, and I'm just grateful that like people were very kind. Um, yeah. So I leaned out the window and I sang New York, New York again. And I finished and like one person, like 10 buildings away was like, yeah, <laughs> like really tiny. And I was like, Oh, that was nice. I like did something nice for that person. Okay. And yeah. then another voice in the opposite direction was like, do another. And I was like, wow. what? And they were like, yeah, another. And it's like a voice from above me. And I was like, Oh my God. I was just like playing with echoes, <laughs> like a tiny child. And other people were like, really, I don't know, embrace that for like a minute and a half, whatever. Mm-hmm. So then I sang, I think I sang the national anthem. I was like, what other song do I know all the words to right at this very moment? Yeah. The national anthem. Um, and when I finished the national anthem, I mean, there must've been like 20 or 30 people applauding all of a sudden. It was like a wow. lot of people came back to the window. So I sang at the window and like took requests and like sang for like first responders and police officers and firemen. And like, it was crazy. Basically every night for like three more months. 
Wow. I didn't realize it was so, so long. I stopped when we went out to March for Black Lives Matter. That mm. was when I was like, you know what? It's not about me anymore. And it's time to, you know, shut this down. Um, so I kind of let it come to like a, a very clean end at one mm. point. I did come back a couple of times, like on the 4th of July. And I think on like Thanksgiving night later sure. that year. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was really, it, it's weird to look back on it and remember like, oh, that was me. Like I did yeah. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would get messages from people who were like, I was listening to you on the radio in Tennessee this morning. Like, I, like wow. or pe- yeah, like people would be like, yeah, like we, we love you here in Brazil. And I'd be like, (laughs) it was just, it was so flattering. It was so, so flattering. And, and then, you know, in the, in the way that these things do in moments of virality, I was very lucky to be reached out to by a number of publications and Mm -hmm. um, brands. And yeah, that's kind of how I started influencing, I guess. I don't know if I've influenced anybody to buy anything, but (laughs) I'm sure you have. I was going to say, like, it's got to be such a cool feeling to have done something so organically that impacted people far and wide, people literally around you during this crazy time and apparently people all over the place. So just another shout out to you, because that is like really cool. And like, as as I'm sure you know and uh, feel the same way, music is so powerful. So it's cool that you're able to do that. And you got springboarded into doing other things from this cool thing. That's true. Yeah. Thank you for that perspective. Cause sometimes I'm like, Claire, like no one wanted to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> After a couple of weeks, there was one night I remember where I decided I was like, I'm just going to stay in tonight. Like I'm not going to sing mm-hmm. out the window. It was like a Friday. My voice was kind of shot from all the other singing and just being alone, you know, like in a pandemic, like doing puzzles and taking baths and like, just, yeah. you know, not being warmed up. And people came to the window anyway and like shouted until I came to sing. Wow. (laughs) It was crazy. And I would get these messages from people that were like, you know, I really feel hopeless right now. Like someone I loved like died of COVID last night, but I wake up in the morning and I check what song you sang because it's like the only thing keeping me going. I was like, oh my God, like, are you serious? (laughs) was insane like it was wild but i ended up you know like there were these incredible actor opportunities too like mm-hmm. i i got a, a general with disney like that wow. was crazy an audition i would have never gotten if i wasn't tiktok famous at the time yeah um not because i'm not good enough to do something with disney it's just again the inaccessibility of getting into these rooms and totally. TikTok really was like a door opener for me. A window opener. A window, window. if you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, you know, besides a couple of those, you know, press and actory things, I did end up uh, pivoting. You know, Broadway wasn't opening. So right. I, I had to pivot because unemployment was running out. <laughs> 
Thanks so much for listening to yet another episode of the Pursuit of Creativity podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and got some value from it, be sure to leave a like, comment, review, uh, share it with someone that might enjoy it as well. It really helps us out. Be sure to come back next week for part two of the series with Claire. We'll be really digging into the ins and outs of what it was like transitioning into a content creation role, doing partnerships and sponsorships, and ultimately working at TED with myself and landing the job at Carfox. Once again, I'm your host, Aiki Ajvan, and as usual, stay optimistic. Better days are coming.